The following is a podcast from Ballin Entertainment. Hello, it's Craig Thompson, and this is the Stratford Slice. Joining me in studio today is the internationally renowned Indigenous visual artist and Stratford treasure, Maxine Noel. Just a few doors up the street from our studio on Downey Street in Stratford is the great steakhouse and inn Foster's. And adorning the walls of Foster's is the beautiful, illuminated uh, artwork of Maxine Noel. And if you saunter a few blocks up Downey Street towards Ontario Street, there is Gallery Indigena, which also includes many, many renowned artists from Indigenous cultures across Canada, but specifically uh, Maxine Noel. Maxine, I've been so excited to meet you for such a long time. Thank you for making the time and thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. We've just witnessed uh, uh, a major event in Canada. The Pope has come to Canada and left where he came and uh, uh, issued an apology for residential schools, traveled to Edmonton, Iqaluit, Quebec City. Um, we should just start off by talking about that. What was your feeling? Because uh, there's been a lot of debate over what he should or shouldn't have done, and did he go far enough? What What are your thoughts on uh, on that? I've had many mixed thoughts about it. Um, I know that a lot of people reacted differently. Different, even you know, the boarding school uh, survivors have reacted many different ways. Uh, personally, I uh, feel that a lot of the people <laughs> who I guess were the perpetrators of the boarding schools um, have long, they've passed away a long time ago, you know, and, and yes, I know. I was not in a Catholic-run uh, boarding school. I was with uh, the, actually, one of the other churches, and I was there for almost 10 years, and I don't talk too much about it, but my opinion about the Pope being in Canada, um, first of all, <laughs> the only, I suppose, opinion I can give on that was that uh, he, he was given a Sioux war bonnet. Now, those amazing headdresses are given or are created, and you have to earn every feather. So how do people, <laughs> I, I just didn't think that was appropriate. It bothered me. <laughs> And I don't know. I, I, there's not much I want to say about it. It's what's done's done, and it's just reopening wounds. And for you personally, as a residential or boarding school survivor, was art one of the ways that you uh, embraced and and celebrated not your culture? You. How was the um, art? How, art? Where did the art is something I've done from the time I was as far back as I can remember. Art has been something that that I've always done. Uh, boarding school, yes, I did a lot of art. It was an escapism, I guess. So was the library. <laughs> I think I read every geographical magazine they had there <laughs> over the years. And I have got to see the world through magazines. But I kept my sanity, and I was strong and survived. That's all I want to say about it. 
And you're a prairie girl originally. Tell us a little bit about your roots. You're from a, the Sioux culture, right? Uh, yes, I am. Uh, it always sounds like a history story, and in fact it is, I guess. Sitting Bull came to Canada twice. He thought the Queen Mother would allow him to live in peace. And some of the people came up uh, from the U.S. after Little Bighorn. And there are reserves in southwestern Manitoba in the corner next to North Dakota. And southeastern Saskatchewan are some very tiny reserves. Uh, We don't have status in Canada. We're given these postage-sized little reserves to live on. And so many of us have been born in Canada. But it's, there are very few of us in, even in Ontario, unless they're a relative. So, but, you know, I'm very proud of my heritage. It was a very strong, very strong, strong, powerful people. A warrior tribe. And art has not been your only source of income. You had uh, a day job or a desk job for a while as you did art on the side. When did when did you sort of be able to make the leap to professional full-time art? Actually, interesting question because I can never remember when I didn't do art. And it was something that you didn't I never thought as a possibility to uh, to base a career on. I think I thought I should be everything else. And uh, I worked for uh, Toronto Lawyers, actually, for many, many years, Bay Street Lawyers. Um, I worked for lawyers in Edmonton and Northern Ontario. Uh, Some have remained very good friends of mine and collectors. (laughs) Um, I've done many things. I did research for uh, Native inmates all over Ontario to, uh, to support a program called the Inmate Liaison Program. So... If I've ever asked, have I been to jail, I can say all of them. (laughs) You've also used your art. I should say your art, to me, uh, strikes me as very hopeful and optimistic. Can you tell me how you get to that point when it's based on trauma and life experience that may be negative? How do you turn that into hope and, and positive feelings? Um, I guess my, my art is, is uh, I like, I'm very much, uh, I lean to the linear. Lauren Harris is always somebody I admired. I lean to the linear, and, and to me, the motion and lines can create feelings. And, and I, I use it to create, uh, you know, I, I want people to understand that there's an incredible beauty to nature. And <laughs> once you get their attention with fine art... <laughs> With art, then you can deliver messages through it, and that's what I do. I support uh, very much the uh, the environment. I I feel that uh, our focus has to be there. We're losing the earth and each other, (laughs) and all of that. And so through my art, I try. You know, this is what I want. But I don't want to do it in your face (laughs) because that never accomplishes anything. You know, never approach a meeting with boxing gloves on. And uh, so I use my art in in a gentle way, and it seems to be working very well in that direction. Why do you think it's taken so long for settler culture and indigenous culture to recognize the the sins of the past and come together? Is is there a positive in that, in that climate change is now an urgent, urgent uh, matter that we must all work together on? How, why do you think it's taken so long to get to this point? Because people don't understand that we're all something, of, we're all a part of everything. 
is at one point this little blue marble was liquid. And so over the years, things started forming. Da, 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 da. So wouldn't you say that everything is a part of everything? And we're the ones destroying everything. You know, so, because I know people sometimes don't understand native beliefs. And so I, it's my best way of telling it to them, right? At, at one point, we were a part of everything. And uh, our nature, we're, we're just, we've got to save our, our planet because it doesn't matter who wins wars or what happens. Our planet is uh, being destroyed. And it's... It's emotional, for, yeah. Do you think that's the lesson that we have to come to terms with right now? We're in this period right now where we're talking about reconciliation, but the next phase is really collaboration and learning, isn't it? But we have to. We have to work together. You know, there was um, a movie. I remember there was a movie out with Will Smith, poor infamous Will Smith, um, where aliens attack the world. And isn't it amazing how in an instant all humanity became human and worked together? And there was also that movie a few months ago or a year ago, Don't Look Up, which was exactly the, the opposite with Leonardo DiCaprio. We're ignoring the warnings until it, uh, I didn't see that. it's too late. <laughs> I don't know if I want to see it, but no, it's, uh, we've got to work together and stop all the crap where our planet is in, in terrible mess. And uh, the world is in a terrible mess. People are just, violence is, children are being killed. It's unbelievable what's happening. Do you think your art has the power to influence and make change? Or what role do you think art plays in that story? I think it helps because I, uh, when I have openings or I meet people, and and they what they tell me what the paintings have done for them i th it it's it's wonderful to hear that it is helping people uh change understanding things uh feeling better about you know if if they've lost someone i recently did a show in edmonton and if anybody looks online it's the uh, uh the bear claw gallery and i did two paintings very subtly of um which people should look and see anyway, uh, one called The People of the Rainbow. And it's two women with a, an arc of rainbow across their gowns. I've done one with children for all the missing children, uh, children dancing. So in a very subtle way, I relay messages. Tell us the story of how you got involved with the missing and indigenous uh, and murdered uh, women. What the what role art played in in that campaign? How did it uh, uh, inspire people to get involved? No, when when that first came to the forefront, I mean it's been out there many years, and it finally. You know, I love and hate the media. <laughs> media, it, it does do amazing things. It, it educates a lot of people in, um, in in very important ways. That this message finally got out about all the missing women, and I thought I have to do something for it. I have to somehow help out. So I contacted the, the Native Women's Association of Canada and Ottawa and different women's groups, and I said, would it help if I created an image? 
that would raise funds for them. And I created the image, uh, which, sorry, it's called Not Forgotten. And it took me a while to create. Everybody agreed, and it would be a great idea. But then I said, now I have to create an image that will relay this in the best possible way. And so, and I had to include the women from all across Canada somehow. So I, uh, anybody who's ever seen Not Forgotten, uh, will will see the image as different areas of Canada. The uh, the moon. I approached. Uh, uh, Roy Henry Vickers, a Northwest Coast artist, very well-known man, um, and he allowed me to use an image of the moon on on my figure, and it's from the book called The Elders Are Watching, and it's the moon is a female, the moon is female, and I, I incorporated a feeling of the Inuit legend of Sedna which if anybody looks it up, will realize how appropriate that is. And the different areas in Canada, all in her gown, and in behind her are the shadowy outlines of the missing women. And it has, at times, has done famously in royalties. Now, I uh, have donated to the Native Women's Association, but also to the Native Women's Shelter in Toronto, and in, in where, wherever there's a need. And the image has, I donate all my royalties in every three months. And at one three month period, it made $8,000 wow. to donate. Incredible. So it's done very, very well. <laughs> and I, I use my art for that, if I can help any which way. Money's not important to me. Let's talk about the role of women in Indigenous culture. The, the female form figures prominently in, in your art. Um, I'm wondering um, if you feel that the role of women in Indigenous culture should should change. Well, I, I think the role of women in in the world is important. You know, uh, things that are happening even in the Middle East. I mean, those those poor women have gone backwards now. You know, the, in Afghanistan. Yes, yeah. yes. How dreadful! Women all over the world. That I really initially that image was meant for women all over the world. You know, some of the dreadful things that are happening. You know, people just have got to... It's like we need a... Somebody needs to hit a reset button somewhere. Well, recently we saw with the Assembly of First Nations the conflict over uh, uh, the female leadership and the resentment that some people showed towards that. Is that uh, uh, something that's connected to that? There's a little bit of uh, tension, not willing to give up the power? Well, the the idea, the story of, uh, of course it is. Of course that that is uh, is all a part of it. It, It's... uh, we need to make change, and and could we do any worse? I think it, it has to become a time of women, but strong women. They're f- slowly coming to the forefront. It is happening. That change is happening, um, and, and I'm very pleased because we need to hear from women. I mean, we are, you know, too many years we have been not considered as, you know, as an equal. You're listening to The Stratford Slice with Craig Thompson. Check out our website, thestratfordslice.com, and be sure to subscribe. And now, back to the show. 
So tell me the story of your connection to Stratford. You've been here for almost 28 years now. What originally brought you here, and why is this region uh, important for you? Initially, it was because of um, the gallery owner, Earl Boyer, of Gallery Indigena here in Stratford. She had a gallery in uh, Kitchener-Waterloo, which I could never find every time. And she had a small gallery here as well in Stratford, a tiny, tiny wee place. And uh, I always hoped she would say Stratford because the one in KW I could never find. Um, and I just love the town. I love the fact that there were many other artists here, actors, writers, and you could live quietly and uh, not be the weirdo in town, which happens in different places. <laughs> and you could just blend in with everyone. And, and it, to me, it felt like a great place to raise my daughter. You know, and which worked out really well. The first time somebody discriminated against her, she had no idea what they were talking about. So it was great. And she went through gifted here in Stratford, right through the university. So. And what is she doing now? Uh, she's being involved in the business of the Brandt family, you know, of which she is a part of. Yeah. That's terrific. So, no, I, I just love the town. I, I've My daughter, this is her hometown, really. And uh, I don't know, we just loved it. We have so many friends here. It's a lovely place, an escape from the rest of the world, I think. And I should have mentioned off the top, you're also a companion member of the Order of Canada, and you are the co-founder of the uh, National Aboriginal Achievement Awards. Foundation. Foundation, right. Well, one of the founding members, um, it was the... Uh, it was the creation of a man by the name of John Kimbell, who's a Mohawk orchestra conductor, one of my dearest, dearest friends. Um, I was at a huge Native uh, com conference, I guess you would call it, in Toronto, and uh, he <laughs> ran into John Kimbell, and he said, we've been looking for you. We'd like to know if you would be interested in being on our board. So I was one of the founding board members. Um, for almost 20 years, actually. And uh, initially it was the Canadian Native Arts Foundation, and the point was to create scholarship funds for Native children uh, or actors and artists, anybody in the arts. But then we found out there was a much bigger need. So John Kimball, with all his brilliance, uh, then created the National Aboriginal Achievement Foundations, and that encompassed all aspects of of education, and we've had some wonderful uh, people come through the foundation. Uh, involved uh, working with uh, the CBC, uh, did a lot of our award shows, the National Aboriginal Achievement Awards. I loved that time in my life, but it was taking so much away from my own, my own dealings with galleries. So it's called Inspire now. Inspire, yes. Um, I believe it's located on, uh, I'm, I'm not sure whether where it's located. I think part of it is on the Six Nations Reserve, and uh, part was part of it in Toronto. I'm not sure. I've kind of lost touch with it. But I do miss, I do miss that involvement, um, you know, working with all the incredible, incredibly talented CBC people who, uh, you know, you, you do a painting and they actually create it on stage. Um, it was fascinating. It was an exciting time in my life. Tell me about your studio and uh, what you see 
when you look out the window, do you look out the window or are you in your own little room? What, how would you describe your artistic process? I think you go in, the best description I ever heard was from uh, John Penway, who was a costume and set designer here for many years. And somebody asked him, what do you, what do you listen to or whatever when you're painting? What do you, where do you go? What do you think? He said, you meditate, you go off somewhere. And it's true, you do. You know, you start painting and, and you're gone. You're gone for hours. I once had a roommate who uh, came down and said, you know, it's been nighttime twice. You should have a break. <laughs> yes. So you do go off, way off somewhere, and then just produce. You, time just means nothing. But do you have windows overlooking the trees or the garden, or what do you see um, out the window when you're painting? I see the next house. <laughs> <laughs> there are there are times I do paint out in the deck, so that's and, and there are many many trees there. You actually don't see neighbors, so that's great. So when you're starting a new work, what's the moment where you get the the idea, or do you just sit there and wait for that? No, vision those to come? ideas you get anywhere. I once had the best idea, driving up the Don Valley Parkway, and and I couldn't lose it. It was starting to fade, so I grabbed out of my glove compartment. The only thing I could find was a road map. So I found the biggest, emptiest part, which was Lake Ontario. And as I drove, I was sketching it on Lake Ontario. <laughs> so I wouldn't lose the image. So you do get the idea. You don't, it's, you don't just sit down there and then get an idea. You usually got the idea and you've got to get to the studio. <laughs> so tell me about some of the more contemporary ideas you're getting recently and, and what is ending up on the canvas. Um, a lot of actually just recently there was a there's a new children's uh, children's and family indigenous center in Le in uh, London, just has just opened, and um, I created a very large painting for them to help help them raise money and focusing very much on the children. I'm sorry, what was your question? <laughs> what are some of the works you're working on right now? The contemporary ideas. What are some of the topics and themes that you're you're looking into with your art? I'm actually at this point. Uh, the wonderful part is that being an artist, you can uh, use it to relay any kind of message. And mine are all about you know, about what the needs are of our people, where we should be focusing, how we should be working together. And I'm hoping they pay attention to that, uh, especially with children and with women, are my focuses. And and. And men as well. People do ask why I don't paint men. <laughs> uh, I paint women because I know that the best. <laughs> That's usually my answer. But so I've, there are a lot of things that, that I'm involved in. Um, I'm uh, on the board of the Woodstock Art Gallery. I'm involved in many, many ways. I do a lot of speaking engagements, any way I can relay messages. I try and be the, uh, how would you say it? I go out and speak to unusual groups who probably never heard a native person speak to let them know who we are, what we're about, and that we're really okay. <laughs> you know, so I do that. Many people are never sure what to make of me, but that's what I do. And I, and I live in unusual places where it's not a native community nearby. Um, I just want people to know we're all the same. We're all people. What are some of the misconceptions that you find when you're doing these speaking engagements? 
Many, many. I mean, a lot of people feel that think Native people get free gas. We don't pay income tax. Any Native person you meet off a reservation is a taxpayer. A lot of people don't realize that. Um, I'm actually even non-status. I don't even get any kind of benefits, you know. You can buy gas cheaper on a reserve. <laughs> sure you can. Uh, I have to show my card, but it's not, you know, people have, there's a lot of misconceptions that they have. It's amazing. When you do these uh, uh, speaking engagements, are they all uh, extemporaneous, or you you have a program where you show your art and you talk? I'm just wondering how, what can one expect when uh, you make these usually, speaking engagements? Usually, if it's schools, they usually have examples of some of my, my work, or I take it. I can speak to anybody, anybody from OCAD all the way down to kindergarten, you know, and, and everything in between. Uh, the most unusual places, I've... Uh, I've done actually, I've done not just my art, I've been involved in many other aspects. When I just thought of something, speaking about my art, I've spoken about my art in jail to some inmates. <laughs> Anybody would listen, you know, to try and make a difference, that we have to get along, we have to work together. We're How was that uh, received in, in prisons? How did that help the uh, inmates you met? Well, the inmates I met were all indigenous. I, I was very, they were very fine with that, very much. And, and I spoke to, uh, to many of them. Did they have no, no issues with that? At all. But did it help them? I'm wondering. I'm just wondering how it helped. Well, them. they are slowly having, getting organized. You, you know what happened? A lot of, uh, and back to boarding schools, a lot of, well, we were all taught not to speak our own languages or practice our own ways. And so they grew up going through life frustrated because they, they didn't know what it was that they should really be living by. They get in trouble in white society because they take their native teachings and they, you know, and so a lot of them are, are in there. They have no idea. It's hard to tell them that, Remember the old ways, and they say, but we have no access to it. So there are groups that help them out. They now can have sweat lodges, spiritual leaders come in. They don't know what to be proud of. They're proud to be Native, but they don't know what to be proud of because those teachings have not been you know, allowed to be taught. And so I feel that's... Uh, anyway, so, so a lot of them are understanding. And I even know one man who was... Uh, who was a prisoner himself and is now a teacher because of that. So there are, you know, things are happening. It's it, everything, like everything else, it's very slow and, and happening, but right now we're in, in very dark times in the world and we've got to look after one another and look after our planet. Now, Maxine, you don't sign your paintings as Maxine. Tell us how you sign your paintings and the story behind that. I was given a name when I was born, my, my full and proper name. It's longer than what I sign. Um, if I was to sign my whole name, I'd be signing half the paintings. My name is Machbia Ioyamani, and Machbia is the heavens, the skies. Ioyam means beyond. Like My mother describes it when there's a sun behind the cloud and you see the edge of the cloud is bright. She describes it as that. And mani means to walk. And it was given to me as a very young child. And I never had the opportunity to ever use it. Our, our surnames as Native people were handed out. 
the government wanted everything in little boxes and orders. We just happened to be there when there were the ends, I guess. <laughs> no hell. Um, a lot of uh, the... Uh, or maybe it was Christmas. Or maybe, worse yet, my mother called my sister Carol, so there you go. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the, uh, my people are from North and South Dakota and Montana, as I said, and uh, a lot of the, uh, the French priests were in that area. So that's where you get the Noel and, you know, the different Sioux, which is always weird, Sioux people with French last names. Right. And so we came along and we were the Noels. But I used my, uh, when I became an artist, I finally thought I used my opportunity to use my proper name. But I only used part of it. It's Ioyamani, which means to walk beyond. Tell me the story you told me earlier about... Um, somebody told you 10 years ago or a few years ago, we're going to be going through a very uh, dark period and yes. emerging from the other side. Uh, maybe you could, I'm not saying it very well, but maybe you could explain what that story is. Well, I don't have it verbatim either, but it's ba it's in a very old, old story. Um, apparently, it's uh, everybody's heard of Nostradamus. Well, we have our own leaders who have uh, major predictions. And, and as I said, see old people who said that it, this time would, would happen. Uh, and when my friend told me six years ago, I initially thought war, it would be obvious, it would be war, well, there is that in the world. <laughs> but um, I thought it was for where I live, I thought it would be war, but in fact, it was this uh, dreadful, dreadful thing, uh, COVID, and many other, actually, many other things. And uh, it will be followed by a time, a dreadful time, which is what the world's going through everywhere. And uh, eventually we'll come back to some form of peace. And as I said, more women will be in power. And I'm, I think it's our turn. And of course, global warming and the climate crisis is all part of that too. Do you know, you know what, I, everybody, um, all the news you hear, news cells, okay, we all know that, bad news cells, bad news cells, and you never hear the good ones, but there are a lot of wonderful things happening out there. There are a lot of people actually making amazing efforts to try and help save our planet. God bless them, uh, and uh, we just need every, all the rest of the people to follow, <laughs> and let's all work at this, because it is a disaster. I mean, didn't they just find a turtle that was... Uh, pooping out plastic for quite a while. That's terrible. Heartbreaking. But you still feel there's hope, do you? I, I do. Some semblance of hope. <laughs> I think we can. You know, walk with it. Walk with kindness, you know. Be, be nice to each other. Help out. Try not to buy, use too many plastic bags, you know. There are a lot of ways you can help. Try not to. You don't need 20 pairs of shoes, you know. Um, try and live life a little better. Save our planet. And for those who are not Indigenous, what message do you have about how we can uh, achieve a better understanding? What lessons are there that we must uh, all follow? I think it's, you know, our people had a lot of really good messages, certainly environmental ones over the years, but it's common sense. Everybody knows what they are. They just have to follow. We need, let's work together. Let's create a better world. And there are so many things you can do. 
Let's be kind to each other. Let's be good to our children. Get rid of guns, you know? Um, I once before said in an interview, which I maybe shouldn't have said, <laughs> I said, you know, the problem with the world <laughs> right now, too much testosterone. <laughs> Probably shouldn't go out there, but there I said it. Well, it's great to uh, have you in the studio and uh, uh, hear your message, and uh, I hope uh, you create many more great works of art in the future. Well, I have a few good plans. Great. Thanks very much. My guest today has been Maxine Noel. Thanks again. You've been listening to The Stratford Slice with Craig Thompson. For more episodes, check out our website, thestratfordslice.com. And be sure to subscribe. The Stratford Slice is produced by Ballin Ran Entertainment, Southwestern Ontario's number one digital media studio. If you have a great story to tell and want to be on the podcast, please reach out to us through our website, thestratfordslice.com.